Well, greetings and salutations, and may the force be with you. Welcome to our very special Obi-Wan after show. This is an open spoiler discussion of Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course, on Disney Plus, episode three. So in case the title didn't give it away, this is an open spoiler discussion here, guys. So if you've not seen Obi-Wan episode three yet, you might want to come back and check this out later. Just add this video to your favorites list and come on back and check it another time. I'm, of course, joined by Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? John, uh, I'm doing well. I watched this episode twice twice in, oh, right wow. in a row just to just to take it in soak it in soak you know? it in a bit we just got back from a big lunch so we might be a little sluggish yeah i, I feel like i should take a nap it was quite a good lunch yeah we had a very very big lunch today anyway guys say hello to all of you who are here joining us in the live chat already and for those of you who are watching after the fact as well okay here's what we're going to do we're going to discuss about our thoughts on Obi-Wan episode three for a little bit. And then we're going to go over and take your live comments and questions. Now, unfortunately, uh, you guys were had so much to say about Obi-Wan. You guys already filled up the live chat uh, <laughs> before we started the show. So we're not taking any more super chats at this point time. But if you sent them in, we'll get to those in the second half of the show. And of course, we're watching all you guys in the live chat. Hello to Julio and Diego and HI. And there's already about a thousand of you guys in there. Good to have all you guys here. So let's get into it. All right. Last time, Rob. I started with my negatives and then I went to the positives today, even though I only have two negatives, mm. I, I want to start with the pros on, on this episode. Okay. To me, I've seen a lot of people say this is their favorite episode yet. To me, it's still my second favorite episode. Like I, I you got to understand how much I loved episode one. Like I love, 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 loved episode one. Episode two for me was a step down. So to me, this is definitely better than episode two. Agreed. It's a step back up in the right direction from episode two. Uh, still like episode one a little bit more, but that's just because that's a really high level there. But I'll tell you what, there are a couple things that worked brilliantly for me. Number one, th the first thing I got to say about this episode is I could have watched the entire episode of Leia and Obi-Wan in the back of... What's this? Seth Rogen's truck. <laughs> that was Seth Rogen. It would have been so... I could have watched an entire episode of the two of them in the back of that truck, just chatting and having their conversation. That conversation was well-written. It was beautifully performed. It had nuance to it. It gave you flashbacks with some nostalgia. You're also getting, I'm sorry, what? There's a brother Kenobi? Out there, some of yeah, that wasn't an accident, and that ain't going to be just quickly overlooked. Right. Yeah, that's clearly coming in 2023. The other Kenobi, uh, whatever that is, so you know they're going to do something about that. But I, like I said, I could have watched the entire episode of just that conversation. It was so great. Speaking of Seth Rogen's little fish face character, whatever, I can't remember, it was Cliff? Whatever his name was. <laughs> Reese's cousin. Yeah, something like that. I, but I can't remember what it is. Guys in the live chat, help me out. What was Seth Rogen's uh, character's name again? It was like a one-syllable name. I can't remember what it was. The new squid face. Um, are people saying it wasn't Seth Rogen? It was Zach Braff. Was it Zach Braff? I don't know. I heard, it, I heard it was Seth Rogen. Oh, well, well, well either, whichever one it was. Uh, there, Maybe it was Zach Braff. I don't if you know. guys can remember what the name of the guy driving the truck was, Freck yeah, was the guy's name. I One of the things, nobody would have noticed it, but to me, it was really, really smart. The fact that the Empire, we, we forget in Star Wars, for a lot of people in the galaxy, the Empire's A-OK. -okay. For, for certain people in the Empire, the Empire's A-OK. -okay. For somebody like Freck, who's like that transport driver through the desert, he probably used to be, you know, attacked by pirates on the road and, and thieves and stuff like that all the time. Empire comes along. Hey, guess what? Nobody's stealing or attacking my truck anymore. Empire's say okay with me. And I know that's a little thing, but to me, that's a really good world building thing that gives context that the empire has legitimate sympathizers and it ain't just the rich and the wealthy. It's other people as well. So I thought that was pretty interesting as well. I love that we met uh, Game of Thrones lady. I can't remember the actress's name, but we, we meet her as Mo mother of the sand snakes. Yes. That we get to see her. Uh, been, mom. Yeah, I've been waiting for her to show up. Right. And so the fact that she's in with the Imperials, but she's actually running an underground railway to to space Canada uh, to get the Jedis out and stuff like that. I, I loved that. I love that whole thing. And I'm going to say this. Of course, obviously, my biggest complaint about episode ones and two, ones and two, one and two was the performance by Moses Ingram playing Riva, 
it was so one note in the first couple of episodes. Like it, it just, it became difficult, like, because you knew exactly the tone she was going to have and exactly how she was coming across. I'm not going to say it's now my favorite performance because it's not, but I will say episode three was a noticeable improvement because they actually gave the character a little bit of nuance. We started to understand some motivation um, and we got to see a little bit of a different side of her. And I'm like, okay, now if they can keep going like this with this character, I'll, I'll get on board with it. I agree a hundred percent. And I even, I, I mean, I liked her rivalry with Sun Kang's character, yes. you know, the fifth brother. And I, I, I totally agree with you. She became a character. Look, villains in star Wars, by definition, they have to be fun to watch. Tarkin was yeah. fun. Vader's fun. Maul's fun. Hey, I hate the Krennic. prequels, but even General um, Grievous. Grievous is kind of fun to watch. Krennic is a badass. I mean, you've got to have, and being an Inquisitor, come on. You can roll around and walk in anywhere and get anything you want and give hell to people if you want to. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't deny, John, that being a, a, a Grand Inquisitor would be fun for a while. Like, yeah. I, I can see myself in that position, wandering around, getting free food at restaurants, taunting people. Not a lot of room for mistakes, though. Uh, no. Yeah, not a good retirement no. plan as yeah, a grand I, inquisitor. No. Uh, but anyway, to, to keep on with the positives, I mean, then obviously it's the moment Vader shows up. And, and by the way, somebody had asked me a week ago or so, do you think James Earl Jones is still going to be the voice of Vader? So, you know, I think I heard he's retired from it now. That was James Earl Jones's voice. And I tell you, hearing his voice behind the helmet, it's like, yeah, it just reeks of authenticity with him actually doing it. And he, that. the lines were good. Yeah. And he sounded good. I mean, I don't know if they did augmentation on his voice, but he sounded he sounded powerful. Yeah. And it was great. The years have made you weak. <laughs> I, like, mean, oh. I mean, uh, I was I was uh I was really taken aback. And I even liked, you know, now we know that that the third sister and Vader have a relationship. I mean, they they consult and they work for I one another. I watched you, third sister. I know what you desire. Uh, it was good stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, okay. This is, uh, the, you know, going back to his throne, you know, I guess he's, he has a throne now. I, I, I like his castle. Oh, yeah, the castle on Mustafar? I mean, oh, I don't yeah. know if you need to go get toothpaste where you go get. Oh, you send people out for it. You got stormtroopers. You got you know, the Bible first. To go I, and yeah, do that where do they you. go, though? I mean, do they, is there a supermarket on Musfar or whatever? Alderaan. You go to Alderaan. Oh, okay. oh yeah. there you go. We can't do that anymore. But, I mean, even in the lightsaber fight, his movements, while not the ninja-like movements that we would see in the prequels, his movements looked powerful. Like, the way... Obi-Wan is desperately fighting with both hands on the saber and like Vader's like one hand in it. And just, you could tell he's just like overpowering him, like with every move and with every step and the whole idea and just the way the lines of dialogue were simple, but they were filled with so much rage. Right. Like you did this. I am what you made me. It's like, no, all oh that, stuff God, was, that was such a great line. I, I, I loved all that. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that um, I really, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, I don't. I don't really have negatives per se. I have se, two nitpicks though. But uh, yeah, I've got an overall note. But what are your nitpicks? Here's here are my two nitpicks. All right, let me start with the smaller one. The smaller one is this. There's a a good sense of cutting when the battle going on between Obi-Wan and Vader's happening that's going on while Reva is starting looking around the streets and then the cuts to uh, the mother of snakes and uh, Leia running down the hallway in the passageway she doubles back Leia keeps running keeps running keeps running keeps running at some point Reva discovers the passageway which, by the way, the secret door to the passageway is a giant red lit up button. It's like there's nothing in this room except this big red yeah. button. Yeah. What happens if I press that secret door? Anyway, that's not my nitpick. My nitpick is a lot of time had passed from when Leia began running down that hallway to when Reva found it. And then all of a sudden, Reva's already there at the end. Okay, so that, again, that's not a plot thing. That, but. I mean, that's something that can pull you out of it. And it happened right near the end, so whatever. So that's nitpick for me, number one. The other nitpick, though, is that near the end of the fight, Vader reaches out through the forest, grabs Obi-Wan, choking him out, starts the fire, which, by the way, this, this was freaking horrific and amazing, like slams on the ground and drags him in the fire, just like Obi-Wan left him burning. It's like, your suffering has just begun. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, here we go, right? Okay, all right. So 
Lady Mother of Snakes comes and rescues Obi-Wan, sets up the big fire, preventing the stormtroopers from being able to get through and go get him. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure I just saw Vader use the force to reach over that distance to grab Obi-Wan. I'm, I might have missed it in the holocrons, but can the force not work through fire? Does fire a natural force blocker? I mean, so again, not super important. It's just a little, they should have put in another mechanism into it that something comes that blocks off Vader rather than, oh no, there's fire. Oh, what, what is Vader like Frankenstein's monster now? Fire. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. So that, so those are my two nitpicks, but listen, for me overall, I thought this was a return to form uh, from the first episode. I enjoyed it very, very much. And it ended leaving me wanting to see what happens next. So for me, it's a winner of an episode. What were your general thoughts uh, on the episode? Well, I'll say that I overall, I liked it, but I, I have, <sighs> there is a problem, I think, with these Star Wars shows. And I think that Obi-Wan exemplifies this. There's no real narrative thrust here. So we're in episode three. It's, they might as well be making this show up as they go along because there's no story. Like, like right now, it's like, oh, okay, they're looking for Obi-Wan. Like, I like you. I really like the relationship between Leia and, and Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan. As far as I'm concerned, they just could have walked around the entire episode just talking and listening to... Uh, Obi-Wan uh, like, talking about not having parents and how he was taken away from his parents, you know, at a very young age. All that was interesting. And you know what I complained about last week about you never heard about what was going on in the galaxy and hearing Obi-Wan talk about Bail Organa and what he's been trying to do and yeah. the difficulties, all the stuff that I was complaining about last week was in this episode. And I really appreciated that. I really liked seeing Vader suit up that Rambo montage where I liked all that. Yeah. You know, it was great seeing him suit up and all that stuff was, was great. And I really did enjoy the world building, like you said, I like the fact that these stormtroopers like work a day dudes. Yeah. You know, and there's all these things that I really liked and that that I kept, I, you know, to me, everybody's decks. Because yeah. that, that guy, he, could, he might as well have been. But the, the the friendly neighborhood truck driver, you know, who picks people up and ferries them down the road and all that. The problem was. I never felt like there was any real jeopardy and they were just kind of moseying down. Yeah, we'll get to the spaceport yeah we'll go back to alderaan but it didn't feel like there's three more episodes of this show i have no idea where this plot is going i can't i can't anticipate this show from a narrative perspective now obviously when vader shows up they're filming them in almost pitch black there's no cool environment, you know, like no, there's no cloud city. You're looking, they're shooting it on volume stages. Obi-Wan's in the distance. Vader's lightsaber ignites. Cool. But it, they might as well be in an empty soundstage. And, and I'm looking at this going, I'm, I, you know, I want to see you think about where, and maybe it's not fair of me to say this because these are expensive shows to make. But when you, when you look at it, it's so dark you, 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 you know, it's Vader and Kenobi are there with lightsabers, but there's no, because they're shooting on the volume stage, I felt like it's really kind of, I'm waiting, I want to have my blood boiling as I'm watching this. I mean, this is a confrontation we've never seen before. It's pretty cool, you know, it's, Kenobi's clearly shaken, Vader's powerful, but yet... I wanted to feel it more, and I, I felt it was so dark and it was so like I, I wasn't able to enjoy like I kept thinking about the battle with Darth Maul and Phantom Menace they're in this gigantic reactor power thing you know there's they can flip over railings and, and I'm saying I understand that the planet they're on is where but they, they could have been literally anywhere and I'm so used to Star Wars environments being giant, larger than life, whether they're in Star Destroyers or space stations or you're in Naboo, like someplace that's interesting that feels like it's Star Wars. Aside from the lightsabers and Kenobi and Vader, I felt like, why would you stage this confrontation in this environment that doesn't elicit excitement? I'll tell you what, I disagree with you 100%. I, I thought... 
one of the great things about Star Wars, as opposed to a lot of other science fiction, particularly of its era, was what's the exact phrase? The lived in universe, right? Yeah. Where is I, that? I love that they did it there because it's literally Vader finding him in the trash. He's finding him in this hole, in this little hovel. And you didn't need a giant grand stage for that to happen on. This is where he found him and this is where he's going to confront him. And the other thing about that is too, like I, I said to Aaron this morning when she goes, I don't know that, you know, it's, it's the Vader Obi-Wan confrontation. I don't know if it was the meal that we we're looking for. I said, but it wasn't the meal. This was the appetizer. The meal's coming later. Like, you know, these two are going to face off against each other again at some point. And I think that's, where we're going to set up something more grand. I just felt like, it was a very Star Wars thing to do to have them fight in that environment. Well, I personally really like that. To me, I, I guess maybe it's too dark. Look, I think this... The, it was dark. The, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, give you that. The reliance dark, yeah. on the volume stages has made the show overall, I think, and this is true of Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and this show. There is a lethargy in the filmmaking that is dictated by the use of the volume stages and the way they shoot the show. That they can't shoot it in as dynamic a fashion as they have been in the past. And I'm really, on this show in particular, I'm really feeling it because that's why there's so much walking, you know, and that's why when, when Vader and, and Kenobi were walking by, by design, because they have to do it this way. They can't afford to go to Pinewood and build giant elaborate sets. They have to keep everything really grounded. And I think that from a Star Wars perspective, you know, the one thing I did appreciate last week was that you're in a, a, a fairly industrial, urban setting. Yeah, crawl, you know, I think it was called something like that. Yeah, and so it, it felt more like there was more going on. And I understand this is a mining colony. But you know what? Like, when Star Wars would give us mining colonies, they would be these, like, elaborate, giant buildings with with some kind of giant mechanized. I mean, I know it wasn't that kind of a... But is that, is that type of an environment the, the, the would be the the direction and the route that an underground railway to get Jedi's well, out of things? But, well, is this more appropriate for that? I mean, maybe, but but still, the thing is, it's you know, it's like go to this go to this location, you know, go to this place, and they'll pick you up there. I mean, they're out in the open. This location that they're supposed to go to to find whatever their transport or that woman Sand Snake was going to pick them up, they're still there in this. It's the rolling hills of wherever they're at. I mean, there's stormtroopers everywhere. There's garrisons out on the road. You know, people are hanging out. It's not like there was places to hide. You know, they're literally. But they knew that where they sent them, had they waited there, they knew that there were no patrols there because that's where she was supposed to meet them. She said, like, you weren't there when I got there. Right. Like, no, I didn't I think know. anybody was coming, it, right? It's just that I feel I feel that there is, I mean, I, I feel that the way these shows are produced, it doesn't allow them to use the art of cinema to get that excitement that you could normally get through shooting shows on actual locations or actual sets and i feel it's really starting because these 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 low rent places whether it's tatooine whether it's mos Eisley or mos espa wherever they go it just feels like there's not a lot of the star wars universe that we're used to and i'm, I'm just beginning to feel it and especially narratively like this whole episode was very meandering oh god again i disagree I disagree. I, like, I think the story of this show is really becoming apparent. This this is a story of Vader hunting Obi-Wan. That's what Obi-Wan is. It's the story of Vader hunting Obi-Wan. But you're, but you're three hours in. And and look, they could have been juxtaposed. Two juxt hours and 15 minutes. They yeah. could have been juxtaposed. I mean, this is all... this. We've now seen more... What we've seen of Obi-Wan is longer than Star Wars was and is longer than Empire Strikes Back was. And I don't feel a narrative urgency in this show the way I want to. Oh, okay. And well, I, I like I like the show, but I want to love the show. I I mean listen, that is the ultimate spoiled generation that we are complaint right well, no I mean, no but i say that all the time right i mean it's like i like when i will i'll, I'll talk about the mcu is like there's a lot of the mcu that's come out these days that i like but not a lot of the mcu today that i love like i used to love a lot of the different things i i don't know i think look we have to understand going into a star wars show 
you have to understand these are not being made with movie budgets. And it's not something like an MCU show where the MCU is supposed to be taking place in, you know, 2025 or sure. on a New York set. That's easy. But to create the types of worlds and environments and whatever that Star Wars would have to do on a Disney Plus show, like you always say, it's about character and story. And I think this show is delivered on character and story. Well, look, I think I don't disagree with that. But what I'm missing is is a narrative thrust to the proceedings. If this was truly a show, like having seen what we've seen, I would love to have seen the juxtaposition of Vader as opposed to Obi-Wan and where they were at. And so you're watching this story because it's if it truly is the story of Vader hunting Obi-Wan, then we have to see these two entities. Most specifically, it's the story of Obi-Wan being hunted. Right. And it's because it. I think there's a, that's a key there. This isn't a Obi-Wan and Vader show. It's an Obi-Wan show. So this the story of Obi-Wan being hunted, it's being told from his perspective and including the, the characters like Leia and whatever that are in his immediate orbit. Sure. So Vader's going to be given as he should be. I think Vader needs to be given secondary treatment as as the antagonist of it, but not not on equal footing as Obi-Wan? Well, not necessarily, but I mean, I, I, I would I think that it's still I don't know. It still feels a little lopsided because I don't feel a narrative urgency. To well, these yes, you know, I, I disagree. I do feel the narrative urgency there. But that's the great thing about these stories, man, is that they all hit us in different ways. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. But anyway, guys. The question is, really, the important thing here is, how are you guys? What did you guys think of Obi-Wan Episode 3? We're going to get to that, and we're going to start reading off the questions and comments, thoughts, observations, and theories that you guys have sent in right after we take a second and hear a word from the sponsor of this episode of the Obi-Wan After Show, our friends at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank the sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile, you know the one with the delightful ads with good Canadian kid Ryan Reynolds? So look, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, is that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just $15 a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. And guys, that's no joke because for years I've been using one of the major providers and it was fine. But I switched over to Mint Mobile a little while ago. The service has been fantastic. And the big difference is I'm now paying about one third of what I was paying before. And the best part for anybody who just hates their phone bills is that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. All their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the Obi-Wan After Show. All right, guys, we're going to spend the rest of our time now hearing from you guys. Now, just a heads up. I did know, listen, guys, when we do these after shows and they're specifically about Obi-Wan, we are not going to be taking questions about other topics. So if you want to write in and about your theory about where Goose was really in Top Gun Maverick 2, we're, we're not going to address that. So just going to let you guys know. All right, let's get to it here. Uh a-Rod2006 writes, everyone else will talk about Vader's epicness. I want to know more about Kenobi, brother, that Star Wars revealed for the first time ever. I have very little doubt we're not going to hear anything more about Obi-Wan's brother in this show. Yeah. But you know they just planted the seeds for something in 2023. So, so I think that's going to be definitely going to be coming. All right, next up, we've got uh, Jonathan Namella, who writes... Rob, I just went to my local Walmart the other day and was digging through piles of DVDs in the $5 bin. I took three shopping carts to pop all the DVDs to see what they had. I found some Nick Cage movies. That's awesome, Jonathan. Thanks for sharing, but we are here to talk about Obi-Wan today. All right, Jamie Sunday writes, I have problems with the show on a technical level. Uh, Most of the time, it feels like I'm watching YouTube fan film version of Star Wars. The only time I felt that, and and I have in every single one of the three episodes, whenever we see the damn Inquisitor ship, the, the, the effect on that, and listen, that's not a budget thing. I have seen kids at home make a video of a ship flying in that looked less video game-like than that. So I don't know what the problem is. I will say this, though. I really did like the, it call, is it 
the Inquisitor base? What does it have a name? Yeah, at first I thought they were like on Camino, this yeah. water world. But you know what it was like? It was like the raft in the MCU. That's yeah, I, I like. really like that. And I like the fact that their control room is below surface level. Yeah. You know, that was, I mean, to me, you know, we were talking about what, what that's what I want more of. I want more Star Wars world building. I'm like, now this place is dope. And I love when the ship landed and like you know those low angle shots where she's she's gonna walk through the giant red light like yeah. and i was like is that a security shit yeah, like, like I don't is know that what, a metal detector i, I don't or? know what it is but you know she walks in and i'm like the tsa likes to thank you for visiting the inquisitor yeah, and i mean i love like this is the kind of base that I, this is the stuff that i love and and it was great i mean that that base was great and i also loved you know when sun kang found out what she was doing and called vader we didn't see it it's not in the episode yeah. but he goes yeah i already I already called Vader. Yeah, he's pleased. Yeah, and it's like, I wanted to see a scene where Vader's going to, at one point, Vader's going to, I think Vader's going to kill Sun Kang. And like, I'm tired of your sniveling. Oh, I Don't think Reba's dead, and- too. I think he's going to kill all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're all dead. This is not a career with a long health plan. You know? mean, I, lo- I love Sun Kang, but he's kind of a punk trying to, like, undermine everybody. I'm like, it was like running to my, my mom and trying to tell on my sister. True, but. And get her in trouble. He's been right every time. Oh, I know. And right? I love That's him. That's the thing about Fifth Brother. He's like, literally, he's right every time. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes. All right, next up. We've got Sam Fisher, who writes, I love that you can see the pain in Ben's face when he talks about losing Leia's mother because he isn't just talking about Padme uh, but everyone yeah but in that moment he is talking about Padme you know and and I think that's there's been a couple of really good moments like in episode two which I was not thrilled with episode two but still in episode two when they're walking along the rooftops and she's like taking charge the way Leia does he's like you remind me of somebody and you knew he was talking about Padme and yeah. I think that kind of emotional uh, resonance really really works here all right next up we got Amor Sells who writes something tells me that this whole smuggling Jedi and giving them new identities will come into play with uh, Cal Kets- Kets- Kestis uh, in Jedi Survivor maybe he lives listen i still i'll tell you what amber sells i still think there's a chance cal shows up in this show i i don't disagree with you and by the way i feel bad everybody in the live chat helped me out here when obi-wan looks at the wall and says who was here like uh quenis quillis or i don't recognize the name that he said he goes so and so was here i'm like i feel like that's a name i should recognize but i just totally didn't i I thought it was camille nagiani's character and no, then he realizes no. that he's a real Jedi. Oh no! Wouldn't that be funny though? Yeah, or it's the yeah the guy that got killed. The all right. Ben, ben Next Sati. up, uh, Sam Fisher also writes. I love that they are dressing Kid Leia in outfits similar to the outfit she wears in the original yep. trilogy, uh, like the Endor poncho and Cloud City outfit. I mean, yeah, that's those are just little visual cues that storytellers. Absolutely, you, right? but I absolutely felt that this episode. Yeah, a little yeah, bit more. A little and or a little. It was good. All right. Next up, oh, Mike A writes, O'Shea Jackson Jr. will play uh, uh, Quinlan Voss. Wait a second. That is the guy. That's the name, I think. That's the name I think he read on the wall. Uh, I think it was Quinlan Voss in one of the upcoming episodes. Calling it, he tweeted something earlier in response uh, to the racism. If I mean, I haven't heard anything about O'Shea Jackson uh, being in this. Uh, not me. I mean, I, no. So I, I guess know. he must have tweeted something out that got people, uh, that people, um, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. Um, anyway. All right. Next up. Um, Sam Fisher writes, how does inquisitor ranking work? Is the higher your number, the higher ranked you are. So 10th sister is higher ranked than fifth brother. I'm not really sure. I think, I think they did touch on that in rebels a little bit. Cause I think like Sarah Michelle Gellers was a little, I, that's a good I, question. I, I don't know for sure. I don't either. Does it, is it an order that you come from? Like, how do you become an Inquisitor? Yeah, like if there was a first sister, does that mean she's next in line? Is to, it like in band? But no, you that would first make trumpet, sense. Second trumpet, I guess that would trumpet. make sense because fifth brother says, I'm next in line. Well, if he's fifth brother and Reva is third sister, technically speaking, Reva should be ahead of him in line. So I guess maybe the numbers don't have anything to do with it. I don't know. All right, next up. Uh, A. Marcellus writes, I have a good feeling that Qui-Gon Jinn is showing up in episode five or six, and he will help Obi-Wan regain his mojo and become a New Hope Obi-Wan. I don't think talking to Qui-Gon is what's going to make him a New Hope Obi-Wan again. I think when he faces Vader again, he'll become the that. But I mean, look, right from the beginning of the show, in the previously on part from episode one, when they purposely make sure they call our training, I have for you talk with Qui-Gon. Fuck you. Like all that kind of stuff. Like it's like, well, okay. They just told us that Qui-Gon and like every episode so far, 
Obi-Wan has tried to talk to Qui-Gon. Like, do you, honestly, do you have any doubt that Qui-Gon Jinn is going to show up no. at some point? No. I got to, let me ask you a question now I think about it. So, you know, they showed Ben being, well, Obi-Wan being tortured in the flames. There's been a lot of talk and people have been joking online. How can we go from this showing uh, Ewan McGregor and to, to, to Alec Guinness as this in, in 10 years? We know that confronting force powers can drain your life force. We saw it, what happened to Palpatine when he was taking on the Jedi in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Do you think that we're going to see that Obi-Wan, via his confrontations with Vader, he will age up a little bit? He will No, lose I think that was essence. more using, that was Palpatine with the dark force, like the dark side of the force. Sure. That's what, so I think we're just gonna have to, look, he, they're aging him up. He doesn't look as old as I think he's supposed to look, like the constant grandpa uh, yeah, comments that's that we what I mean. From like, Leia, right? Is he going to get a little white in his hair after confrontations you know, with the Vader? The thing is, when you go back and watch the original Star like not Return of the Jedi, but you go back and watch the original Star Wars, Obi, like, Alec didn't look that old. Like, right? He didn't look that old. So, is 10 years a little bit of a stretch? Maybe, but I could see 15 years. Yeah. Know, it's not a giant leap. All right. What's next? We got uh, Sam Fisher writes. I'm glad they brought back James Earl Jones. He sounded great, but at some point they're going to have to switch to an impersonator or old recordings. No, they, listen, they already have started using other people to do the voice of Vader in certain mediums at certain times. And while you immediately recognize that it's not James Earl Jones, it works perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I thought they, they could be fine doing Obi-Wan without James Earl Jones. But that being said, having the actual guy there doing the voice, I mean, that, that just made it feel more. And real. I loved hearing him talk. Yeah, it was great hearing lines of dialogue that Vader had never spoken before. And I'm like, oh, I wish this conversation would just last longer. You yeah, know, I want because it was just great to hear. I love and he sounded like, you know, in Return of the Jedi, Vader doesn't quite sound like Vader. You know, I yeah. hope so for your sake, Commander. I'm like, eh, you know, quite. I mean, it's still James Earl Jones, but he sounded like back to his normal badass self in the show. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. All right, what's next here? We got uh, NUFC Adam writes, good episode, but why did Vader let Obi-Wan escape so easily at the end of the episode? Surely he just jumps over the fire to reach him. Look, there is a legitimate argument to be made that because of his trauma, that running through fire, probably not top on Vader's list. My problem is, does fire block the force? He literally just grabbed yeah. Obi-Wan a second ago. So I, again, I just wish they had come up there's something very easy they could have done just to say why Obi-Wan escaped yeah. without it being a wall of fire. I, I don't know. All right. Next up, Luke, one, two, three, four writes, really fire stopped Vader. James Earl Jones sounded much uh, better uh, than Rogue One. Never noticed the lights on his hips before. I don't think I've ever really noticed lights on his hips. Were other yeah. lights on his hips? I don't know. I never noticed that before either. Unless they're under the, the fabric. Yeah, maybe. He wears on the but yeah, it, it's great hearing the voice in there. It just gives that that gravity to it. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, let's see. Julius Goodwin just sends in a $20 super chat just Thanks, to be man. supportive. Thank you, Julius. Julius is a good man. Appreciate that, man. Ryan Loner writes, it's amazing how much he has two hands narrows down who Obi-Wan's father could be. I, I don't understand that. Hmm. Yeah, sorry about sorry about that, Ryan. I don't understand the 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 quote. Okay, next up, uh, Jacob Flynn sends in a fifty dollars super chat. Thank you, Jacob, for supporting us on that level, man. Uh, Jacob writes, "Hey guys, did it seem like Obi Wan was not throwing offensive strikes towards Vader, but instead was just uh, staying on the defensive? Do you think that was on purpose, or that Obi Wan is just so far removed from combat and the Force? Thanks for this. I definitely think it's it's the latter. He hasn't ignited his lightsaber in ten years. Yeah, if 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 not longer." And and he had a, he had to struggle fighting a couple of thugs in episode one, or was that episode, that was episode two? Sorry, he had to struggle to fight a couple. I mean, yeah, he won, but he's ten years out of practice cutting dead bantha meat. I, I mean, it is where yeah. he's it, he is, and the fact that like you said it earlier, Vader was just toying with him, like he he could have ended him at any time. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, that is the Vader we, or that is the Obi-Wan that we've got right now. Uh, anyway, again, thank you for sending that in, man. Really appreciate that, dude. Uh, CJ Rebirth writes, Vader turns on lightsaber. Me. Oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> Listen, there is something about, ever since Rogue One, during down that smoky, dark ship hallway, and then you just hear the breathing. <sighs> And then the lightsaber ignites that the, the igniting of the red lightsaber has become so iconic visually that yes, that happens. And all of a sudden we just get excited. All right. Jamie Sundays writes, 
I also love the idea of hiding the Jedi religion. This gives me the tone of Martin Scorsese picture silence. Also, Vader made Obi-Wan some barbecue chicken. Um, but no, again, that that whole idea, I, I got really interested about working the idea of an underground railroad away because you knew the Jedi would, it doesn't matter what propaganda the Empire put out there, the Jedi would still have allies. Yeah. And they wanted to get them out. So, I mean, I, I personally really love that part. All right. Uh, James Hoffman writes, Vader was really menacing and powerful. Great presence. Do you think we will see a rematch between Obi-Wan and Vader in the finale? <laughs> I mean, to me, that is, you don't want to say 100%, but it's 99.5%. Like, let's put, I'll be so shocked if they don't have a rematch in this show. Me, well, me too. And also, if you think about it, now that Obi-Wan Kenobi knows Vader exists, he has to hone his powers because he, he doesn't know what's going to come after these kids, man. I mean, he right now, I think part of like we talk about this show is really about Obi-Wan being sort of reignited as his own lightsaber. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, that's what he needs. He needs to find that flame that was burning inside him before. <laughs> and uh, no, he really does because, but in all seriousness, because if he doesn't, those kids are going to die yeah. or, or worse, you know, they're going to get consumed by the empire, by Vader himself. So Obi-Wan, if this show and it appears to be, is about Obi-Wan's sort of rebirth, getting a new sense of purpose, which I think is a, that's always a great story to tell. He's going to have to figure out, he's going to have to dig deep. And I think that confrontation with Vader is what's going to put him over the top. I mean, that's going to bring him back or at least almost the way back to where he was, because otherwise he'll be no good to anyone. What do you think of the chances of us having a time jump? What I mean by that is, two years later mm. or, or something like that. Do you think, do you think, because I think some, one of our viewers wrote in earlier today and said, bet you the next episode is going to be like, just like Obi-Wan in a back to tank. And it's all a flashback to him and Anakin back during the clone wars or something, which, which is certainly possible. But what do you think about the notion of at some point in the remaining three episodes, they literally are going to jump forward like a year or two years. I, you know what? I could see something like that happening. Cause like I said, what's the narrative thrust? Like, Right now, the confrontation has happened, but it's not like other than getting, we have to get Leia back to Alderaan and her, 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 her folks. But I do think that, that, remember I even said, I think last week, that what if this opens, this episode opened with a flashback to the Clone Wars. Right, yeah. And I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see, we've got to see a scene because we saw, we actually saw very little of them working together in the Clone Wars. We saw them always in relation to Padme, but what about all the times they were fighting in the Clone Wars with one another that was outside of the Skywalker? Yeah, they did a lot of that in the animated series. Yeah, but a lot in the animated series. I think we're going to see, wouldn't you want to see something like that in live action or some kind of a confrontation that informs what's going on now? You know, it's a funny thing. While they both still look great, you're going to have to de-age them. If oh, yeah, no, do, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. No, you absolutely, you will. Even though they both still look really great right now. Okay, next up. We've got uh, Josh Kahn, who writes, I enjoyed this episode more than two until the end. Vader just letting Obi-Wan go and Reva somehow getting to the other side of the tunnel before Leia made me toll my, probably meant roll, roll my eyes. Uh, I do too much of that here. Yeah, but here's, here's the thing. I agree. You heard me say both of those things. I agree. But those are two moments. Right. They're moments. Like the things that bother me a lot more are story arc inconsistencies. So it's like, wait a minute, this makes no narrative sense, blah, blah. Like a moment like, hey, how did Reva get from there to there? <laughs> the force. Um, so, like, so like, while, and so while that does pull me out of it for a minute, they are moments. And so they don't really bother me that much. I don't know. Did you find it pulling you out too much? Or? No, because you know, look, it's a narrative shorthand and you know that she's going to show up. The uh, So that, that doesn't bother me. It's not like Leia's running at full tilt. She's not an Olympic you know, track and field champ. Maybe she, so. I mean, it's, it is possible that that run, that Leia thing could have been two and a half miles. And it could be that once Reva found the thing, because remember, she never crossed paths with mother of snakes. either. No. So it could have been after discovering the tunnel, Reva might've gotten in one of her ships, scanned down, yeah, mapped saw it out. The, the thing. Like, I'm going to fly to where this goes. So, I mean, but even if they don't explain that, it's going to be a bad moment, but it's still just a moment. Anyway, uh, next up, we got Victor Edbon, who writes, is that Ryan Johnson playing the corpse at the end? Oh, you know what? I don't know. I'd, 
it wouldn't be the first time Star Wars did something like that. I don't think so, because I think it was a bigger guy. I mean, it would be kind of funny if he did. It would be really funny if they did. I actually I'll have to go back and look at that again to see. All right, next up, A. Marcellus writes, uh, the ranking for Inquisitors is Grand Inquisitor is first and then all other Inquisitors come after. No particular order. Okay, there you go. That that makes more sense. Um, thanks for that, A. Marcellus. Neurostrike sends in a $100 super chat. Thank you, Neurostrike. But that's incredibly generous. Thank you, man. Cool name, too. Uh, that is a very cool name. And Neurostrike writes, loving the show overall thus far. I think Vader let Kenobi go because he's been uh, slashing through all obstacles to prep for this rematch, and he expected much more than the shell of a man his old master is. So he drags him through some fire. Pain is an excellent <laughs> motivator. You know what? I don't think Neurostrike may be way off on this. I don't either. There could be something, because if you're Vader, and for 10 years you have been dreaming about, fantasizing, envisioning, doing everything the secret tells you you should do to try to manifest this reality that you would come face to face with obi-wan again and then you get to it and it's just it's a child it's it's a weak old man yeah they they could explain a little bit later like that wasn't how i get my revenge that wasn't how i get my revenge i need to savor this this needs to be sweet so i i don't know what do you think do you think they could do that i think absolutely and you know I just keep thinking about Vader and Empire. You know, if he could be turned, maybe, maybe that's what he wants to do. Is oh, just, he knows Obi-Wan can't be turned. I don't know. I don't know. It's a broken Obi-Wan. That's what I'm going to say. Do you destroy someone's soul? You, you batter them down like he's in a cult or something. You just, you hammer them and hammer them and hammer them and take everything they have away. Come with me, you know, kind of a yeah. thing. Could be interesting. And you and I will just yeah. like we did in the Clone Wars. Yeah. And why not? I mean, when you when you're battered down enough, when you turn into somebody who's been who's suffering enough, he's been suffering for 10 years. That's a long time. It's a long time. All right. Next up, we've got, uh, by the way, again, thank you, Neo Strike, for that. And that is a great theory, man. All right. Aiden Foley writes. Vader cho choked the father, snapped the neck of the son, and left uh, the wife alive to grieve. Vader was so was relentless as hell in this episode. Like, holy crap. I'll tell you what. The snapping of the kid's neck was disturbing to me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, everybody loves Vader. He's one of everybody's favorite Star Wars characters. Kids have Vader toys. And it's almost like Deborah Chow went, we need to remind everybody what Vader really is. And he snaps the neck of a child. And obviously, he was putting on a show for Obi-Wan. He knew Obi-Wan was there somewhere. And he's walking through saying, hey, I'm going to do this all day. And it's your fault. And it is your fault. All You're, this is all in your hands, man. I'm killing innocent people. Whatever. You want to come out of the woodwork? And and, and he knew Obi-Wan was seeing it. Yeah. And there's just something about that because it's like, don't forget, the turn of Darth Vader back to Anakin does not happen for another 20 years. It, that's that's a long ways off. That second Death Star is a long ways off. This is Vader in his most ruthless prime. And every the lives of everybody else is just meaningless ants. And just, again, the snapping of that kid next. I mean, Ann and I are watching it. And, like, both of us out loud said, damn. Like, it, it, it kind of, I thought he would, like, choke the kid a little bit and let him go. Right? No. No. It's, oof. That was brutal. It's amazing they let this guy be redeemed. All right. Uh, next up, we got K Major who writes, uh, It was clear that Vader was playing with Obi-Wan. Vader even said that the years had made him weak. That's true in regards to both body and mind. Obi-Wan was getting pwned nonetheless. Barbecue anyone? Yeah. And, and again, going to what Neurostrike was saying a little bit earlier, I think that sets up a scenario where I don't think Vader was finding it very satisfying. And you know what? It, it would only make more sense that, yes, he easily could have, with the Force, reached through, grabbed Obi-Wan, and pulled him right back in. But I think he said, no, this isn't the way I want to do it. Let him go. Let him heal up. And uh, then I'll come back and smack him around. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if they do that or not. All right. Ismail Montoya writes, hey, Ismail. Uh, hey, guys. I'm still not a fan of Reva. I think they made her character too coincidental. Uh, most of all, how can she be buddy-buddy with Vader? If you recall, Vader's final words to her... Fail me and you won't live to regret it. I don't know that the term buddy buddy applies here. She's a tool. She's a tool. I'll tell you what I loved about her in this episode, too, is she has something. She has a motive. We don't know what it is yet. But after she talks to Sun Kang, she's looking to get something. We don't know. Well, whatever she's looking for, it's unrevealed. 
But I like the fact that she's got her own agenda and she's yeah. she's acting out on it. Vader is definitely a part of it. Appeasing Vader is part of it. Uh, getting getting rid of the Grand Inquisitor and getting rid of the fifth brother is probably a part of it. We don't know what it is, but it intrigued me. That's one of the things, you know, I was talking about no narrative thrust, but I'm suddenly like reminded that now I'm intrigued. What is the game that she's playing and what does she want and how is she going to get there? And suddenly I'm like, oh, okay. Now I'm, I'm much more invested in this character now because we know she's got a lot going on and she's, she's no, she's no lackey. She, you know, she's no, puppet or pawn of vader by the way you brought up something that neither of us addressed grand inquisitor for people who watched rebels grand inquisitor is in rebels he dies in rebels and so that was a big hanging question last time it's like wait a minute did they just break canon we theorized that maybe that wasn't the same grand inquisitor that we get in Rebels it might be a different Grand Inquisitor. This this Grand Inquisitor looked a little more hefty than the uh, yeah. the lean kind of skinny Grand Inquisitor in Rebels. So I don't know. Maybe it's a completely different Inquisitor. We still haven't seen a body. They seem to imply the Grand Inquisitor was dead because she starts to like say, "Oh, we'll make them pay for killing the Grand Inquisitor." It's like you really think you're fooling Vader, but like Vader's like, look, the Grand Inquisitor doesn't mean anything. Look, you complete this, you're Grand Inquisitor. So it sounds like he's dead, but I don't know. Do you think Grand Inquisitor reemerges in this show? Uh, you know, maybe he just is. Maybe the simplest thing, Occam's razor, he's just dead. But I, I feel like not. I feel like he has to come back and establish himself again. Uh, if he's dead, he's dead. But it seems to me like, the, plus, you know what? It's Rupert Friend. I think he's got more to do in the show. I would think so. By the way, uh, for those of you guys watching live, I just put up a poll question in the live chat, and I'm asking you guys, is the Grand Inquisitor dead? Maybe he's dead. Maybe the one we get in Rebels is different. Maybe they're just straight up breaking canon. I don't know, but my question for you is, is the Grand Inquisitor dead? Do you think we're going to see him a little bit later on? We'll check in with that poll a little bit later. All right, next up, uh, we've got Late Night Alum writes, Master Quillan Voss, that's who was, uh, was mentored by Kenobi in the safe house. Interesting, or was mentioned by Kenobi in the, in the safe house. Interesting he's mentioned again. I'm calling it now. He saved Grogu dur during Order 66. I don't buy that. Mm. I, I think... They're going to make, I'm not saying it was Anakin. I'm not saying it was Obi-Wan, but this has been a hanging mystery. Who's the Jedi who got Grogu out of the temple? Nobody outside of Star Wars Extended Universe stuff has ever heard the name. I mean, really, Quinlan Voss. You go to any average person, right. they won't know the name Quinlan Voss. You ask I think it's going to be a name that the average person would recognize. I mean, otherwise you don't shroud it in mystery to have the big reveal being somebody no one's ever heard of. <laughs> I don't know, but Hey, listen, you might be right. And and if, if it does end up being that we'll keep that in mind. All right. Uh, next up, Alex Von Gollum writes, Vader was terrifying. He was like the predator playing with his prey. He's playing with Ben. That's why I think he let him escape. Love the episode. And I think Alex, you know what? I think more and more, I, I think that might be the correct answer here. I think that might ultimately be what it is. By the way, we're just going to run back over here to the poll I put up. So a little over 500 of you guys have voted and asking the question, is the Grand Inquisitor dead? I'll be honest with you. I thought it was going to be like 95 to 5. But 80% of people say, no, he's not. 20% say, yes, he is. Mm. And I don't know that, that that 20 would have been that high if we'd asked the question again last right, week. Right. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see where they go with it. Thanks a lot for, doing, for uh, participating in that, guys. Okay, next up. We got Chris Martin who writes, amazing episode. Ewan really sells Ben's conflictions. Also really love Vader's lines while burning Obi-Wan. The Vader dialogue, was, that scene worked because of Vader's dialogue. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, everything that Vader said in this episode was gold. All, and and hearing hearing the powerful Vader, I mean, it was it was great. Both in his conversation with Reva at the beginning. The Everything. Up, yeah. I mean, it was all of it was 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 peak Vader for me. All so. right. Next up, we got Santiago Lugo, who writes, I love how many worlds we are getting to visit. Yes, you know what's great? We're not on Tatooine anymore. Thank God. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say, as much as I might complain that there's no giant industrial complexes, I, I like that transport speeder, you know, I, that I like yeah. that. Like, you know, the guys and he's, the truck, you know, it reminded me of like you're you're in the heartland somewhere. I mean, I know they said it was a mining colony, but 
Kenobi talks well there used to be farmland here it was very rich and verdant and I I liked that idea the the like this alien just travels around and gives people lifts you need to go to you know to go to town you guys need to go to your you know your outpost uh, come on in yeah I'll give you a and lift. they all kind of knew each other and I did like this is a really subtle thing but I really liked the workaday nature of the stormtroopers yeah you know it seems like they knew their jobs and they always they were they had something to do it reminded me of. Kevin Rubio's troops. Oh. Did, did you not think about that? You know what? I did think about that because it was more of like, like I said, the work a day. These guys are their work. You know, that's not you, you think that the stormtroopers are almost like robots, but you forget they're not. They're people, yep, they're people, you know, they're conscripts or whatever. Part of this army. And I have to say, John, I kind of felt bad for all the stormtroopers that Kenobi They're straight just up doing killed. their job and they straight up getting murdered. I mean, and Kenobi did a good job. I mean, he might not find he hasn't found out where to fight with his lightsaber yet, but give him a blaster. He'll straight up murder dudes. And How like civilized. I mean, he killed a lot of dudes There's in that episode. A lot, a lot of murder in this episode. All right, next up, Fangblaze 71 writes, uh, the Inquisitor's base was so cool looking. It was. The design yeah. was great as a base of operations. I want to get a sense of how many Inquisitors there are. Because right. right now, they've only shown, other than the Grand Inquisitor, they're only shown us three. So I, I would like to see a few more of them there. Fangblaze also writes, I really like this show so far, but some stuff like the, the fight between Vader and Obi-Wan and Vader and his castle just felt fan made to me i don't disagree with that i mean no. listen i said there are there are elements of the show that are feeling fan made to me like whenever i see the inquisitor ship it feels like somebody made it with unreal engine four not even five i mean like yeah. four or something like that and, not that part and also when when vader is talking to reva i know it's a hologram and all that but you know he's just sitting down where it might have been more interesting if he's, you know, standing like, you know, when he would stand on the bridge of the Star Destroyer contemplating right. the stars and he'd have his arms behind him, he'd turn around and walk away, but his arms kept his, his cape sort of down. I would have liked to have seen him standing, you know, looking out at the lava flows or something and getting an establishing shot of him looking out the window and then he turns and addresses a hologram or has to walk out or something but i look i understand but i think that's what what our viewers is, is, is meaning by saying it's fan made i just i want to i want more production value because it's such a cool room you know that that castle is so cool it is all right next up uh, we've got Tim Platt who writes, is Amir did James Earl Jones sound even better in this than he did in Rogue One? He absolutely did. Yep. I heard James Earl Jones, but felt Hayden Christensen magnifique. Yeah, listen, he when we heard him in Rogue One, you could tell it's it's an aging J James Earl Jones. And I don't know if just James Earl Jones decided to do something different or if they modulated his voice a little bit, but it sounded like true classic era James Earl Jones here. Yeah, and he didn't sound like like in, in Star Trek Picard, Patrick Stewart sounds his age now. Right. You know, you hear his voice. This didn't, this is, this is 1977, Vader. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, I'm wondering, because there is software, they could probably take his voice and the original and match it, you yeah. know, sound wave and match, because this still sounds good. But man, maybe that's why I loved hearing him. Like, I could have watched this whole episode if Vader just wandered around, choked people out and talked. Snapping next. Pontificated, <laughs> you know, talked about what, where he was at. Like, you know, I wouldn't look like this if it wasn't for you, you dick. 48 minutes of, have you seen Obi-Wan? Nope. Snap. Have you seen Obi-Wan? Nope. Snap. Just 48 minutes of that. That would have been great. All right. Suthius writes, okay, the dead pilot the, that was shown laying on the ground, was that Ryan Johnson's second person ass? It looks a lot like him. I've only seen a few others who also, I've also seen a few others who think so. Again, I didn't really notice. I'll have to look it up. Uh, to be able to see for sure. Actually, there's a friend of ours who works very closely with Ryan Johnson. We should probably ask him. Yeah. Because he would know if that's he would Ryan know. Johnson. So uh, we'll look into that. All right. Next up, Santiago Lugo writes, part one of two. Agree with Rob. I'd like to know the geopolitics of the galaxy better. Uh, what is the power of the Imperial Senate? That's part one of two. Is it inches below there? So how oh, yeah. Go from, or is that separate? No, I think it's part of the same um, thing. Oh, yeah, maybe it's part of the same thing. Um, I would say this. That, honestly, to me, if they were doing that, 
I would be asking, why are they wasting screen time on a show that is only six episodes long? Like whenever we watch a regular TV show about a guy on the run from the law, we don't have to get in. What is the current political temperature of America while this is going on? Right. right? It, just, it would feel out of step and unnecessary to the story that is being told. But like you were saying a little bit earlier, Rob, they did give us a little they bit. They did give us. And I have to say that in the course of the con, that's how Star Wars world builds in the course of a conversation. Right. And I'll tell you, I love the moment. Well, without the, the Senate, without the bureaucracy, how will the local systems be kept in line? You know, how will the emperor maintain control yeah, without but, the local bureaucracy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think they needed those senators. I mean, they kept them and they, of course, well, we're going to go from, the Republic to an Imperial Senate, but we need you to stick around because you have to run your planets. We don't want to yeah. run your planets. So I like that. And we got a little taste of that. I, I thought it was good. The regional governors. Anyway, okay, yes. Uh, Chris uh, Barcinas writes, Vader is my favorite Star Wars character and he was awesome and downright ruthless. He, he really was. This was the Vader we saw at the end of Rogue One. A Vader who just mercilessly slaughters people because they are not important to him. You're just in my way. Um, and that is the Vader we're getting. He is the living, walking nightmare. He is, to me, the greatest cinematic villain of all time. And this is in his villain mode, and I love it. Yeah. And in his villain prime, too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Dr. Chopit One writes, Obi-Wan has always been my favorite star, my favorite character in Star Wars. I love this show, but part of me would love to see the Vader fight on the big screen. I mean, yeah, look, nine times out of 10, not 10 out of 10, nine times out of 10, I will always prefer to see a good story on the big screen. It's just better. It's it's better produced. You got six months to a year and a half that gets put into one two hour story rather than, you know, five months put into 12 episodes or whatever. It's just more uh, concentrated. It's just it's just better. And yes, I would like to see that, too. Be that as it may. I am very much looking forward to the second fight between Obi-Wan and, uh, and Yes, Vader. me too. Uh, all right, next up, Detroit Dog writes, I'm not sure why Vader just watched the droid uh, carry Obi-Wan off. I was like, um, he's still right there. Is the force blocked by fire or something? This is exactly, and, and even if it was, it's like the, the little, there was, okay, so there's a little choke point there, right? That was being covered by fire. Is there an impenetrable like Game of Thrones of a wall sized wall going like, could the troopers not just gotten in one of their speeders and drove in around the hill? I, I mean, it's like, oh, well, there they goes. Really? Because we have spaceships like we could we could hop in one of them and track them. Nah, they'll be long gone by the long gone. Have you seen how fast that the loader droid is? Moving? We could probably catch them. You nah. know, you know what, though? I kind of got the idea that that Vader in a way was disappointed disgusted he's like this this he was man. unsatisfied yeah and, and unsatisfied he does not i think vader was like uh this it's this is pathetic see i didn't i didn't think so before but once they brought up i think he let him get away uh, i'm I, starting to believe that absolutely now. he's like whatever yeah. i mean this this guy is like he's probably dreamt of taking this guy out if he's still alive for 10 years and he this this is it this is like enough. He's he's not even worth my time. Anymore. We can't even stand in front of each other and do the lightsaber twirl for five seconds. Yeah, no, I mean, what do it? Like, what kind of life is this? All right. Next up, Alex Von Gollum writes again. Ewan gave a mesmerizing performance. You can feel all his pain, hopelessness and brokenness. Him calling Qui-Gon that way is heartbreaking. Yeah. And, you know, in the middle of one of these episodes, he's going to be doing another one of those. And then Obi-Wan, you're just going to hear him speaking back to him. And it's going to be, ah, it's Liam Neeson. You know, he has a particular set of skills. You know, He's going to tell Obi-Wan, you used to have a particular set of skills. Yeah. So find them again. When did you become such a bitch? I mean, I, he's going to have a real hard heart to heart yeah. with him. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, we've got uh, Y has subscribed to your channel. Thank you, Y. And though, then we just have uh, some support here from uh, D Shelton 1109. Uh, Nethcast has sent in support. Uh, people becoming members. Thank you, everybody. Uh, wow, wow, this is such a. Oh, and our friend Connie saying, "Hey, Connie. Connie," and uh, that's it. And guys, that'll do it for episode three of Obi Wan here on our Obi Wan After Show. 
What did you guys think about the episode overall? I, I, I had a couple of nitpicks with it, I do, but I, I still think it was the second best episode so far. I had a lot of fun with it, and I think it was just kind of the appetizer building up to something. And now that that viewer brought up the whole idea that Vader just let him get away, I suddenly feel even better about the episode. Now yeah, no, that that's, like, that's how kind of I, I saw it. You know, because there'll, there'll be another time. There'll be another time. And but, it'll be more satisfying. Okay, you know what is not satisfying? We started watching Obi-Wan five days ago. The series is now halfway over. Yeah. This six episode BS, I really hope they get over this pretty fast. So well, maybe there's seven, eight, nine, maybe and ten, seven, John. eight, nine, and ten. Because look, look at Stranger Things, man. They're doing nine episodes. And every episode is well over an hour. And the final episode's two and a half hours. I mean, yeah, so come, come on. Disney Plus, get with have it here, guys. Netflix is stock? Yeah, but have you seen Netflix's stock? Producer Jonathan says. Wow. Yeah, Disney Plus is clearly winning there. Anyway, guys, thanks a lot for being here. Don't forget to come back again next week when we do our episode four coverage of Obi-Wan. And by the way, next Wednesday is going to be busy. Because not only Tuesday at midnight is there episode four of Obi-Wan, we had episode one of Ms. Marvel. So we're going to have two after shows that day. We're going to do Obi-Wan after show at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we're going to do Ms. Marvel episode one at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. By the way, did you see Disney Plus drop that a mini documentary about Ms. Marvel? Yes. I have not watched it yet. I have not watched it. I saw that yesterday. I, I heard a couple of people. I saw a couple of people online saying it was really, really good. But anyway, guys, uh, that's it for us for now. Uh, Rob, where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or RM Burnett. You can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Post Geek Singularity and at the postgeeksingularity.com website. And of course, our thanks to producer Jonathan, who's been running the show here today, as he always does. And thank you to you guys for being here. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in your comments, questions, observations, theories, and everything. Number one, because you gave us, us some great insight into Obi-Wan Episode 3. And of course, you supported our channel at the same time. And uh, NeuroStrike and one of our viewers as well sent in a $50 chat. NeuroStrike sent in 100 Thank you guys especially for that. All right, guys, that will do it for us for now. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. Until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.